The longest field goal ever attempted is 76 yards. The longest field goal ever missed? Also 76 yards. Why bring this up? Because knowing your limits matters, both when you're kicking a field goal and when you gamble. Betting more than you're comfortable with is like trying a 70-yard field goal. It probably won't go well. So set a limit when you gamble and stick to it. Want more helpful tips like this? Go to KeepItFunOhio.com for games, quizzes, and lots of ways to keep your gambling from getting out of hand. Remember the Thai cave rescue? What about the mission depicted in Black Hawk Down or the epic rescue shown in Captain Phillips? You've probably heard of all of these, but did you know that U.S. Air Force Special Warfare played a pivotal role in all of them? These airmen are the most highly trained warriors on the planet. Other forces like the SEALs and Army Rangers call on them to provide skills no one else can. Not many people make the cut, but if you think you can, visit AirForce.com to learn more. This is the Busted Open Podcast. You can listen to the full show Monday through Saturday from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. Welcome to the Busted Open Podcast. This is Dave LaGreca. On today's episode, WWE Hall of Famer, TNA Hall of Famer, and the greatest tag team wrestler of all time. Bully Ray and I talk about NXT, the surprise return of Samoa Joe, an enforcer now with NXT. Also, we get into Cameron Grimes and the new million-dollar champion, L.A. Knight. Also, we have a sit-down discussion with Mara Strauch. Who's that? The director of Vice Versa, the China documentary that's debuting on Vice tomorrow night, Thursday, January 17th. All right now on the Busted Open Podcast. Why was William Regal able to convey such emotion? Well, he explained it. He said he's been there since day one. And as he's talking, you see his eyes start to get red. Tears coming down his eyes. And you see the tears coming down his eyes. You see his cheeks wet. How do you not feel emotion when you see a man like William Regal, who every wrestling fan respects, get as emotional as he did last night perfect tone perfect inflection perfect pacing everything about that young wrestlers please sit up and take note that's how it's done that is that is the way you tap into people's emotions with a promo now, yes, Regal has been around for a long time. He knows the tricks of the trade. But I'll be damned if I'm not sitting there and listening to every word he says. Great promo. And then he starts, and then when he was talking about his nieces in, you know, coming to see uh, TakeOver in Blackpool, talking about how me and H. He didn't say Triple H because people don't call Triple H Triple H. It's either Trips, Paul, or H. Referring to him in the friendly way they refer to each other. It's personal. Loved it. Everything about it worked. Out comes Cross to piss on 
Regals, not, not on his parade, but his promo. And then here comes Joe. They're setting it up perfectly with emotion. We're getting raw emotion from Regal. Here comes your heel champion to brood over him and ask him, are you crying? Telling him, I knew you never had it in you, Regal. And then here comes Joe. Boom. The savior. And tells Regal, nah, I don't want the job. And then him and Regal get into the, you know, the back and forth. And it ends with Joe in Cross's face. The only thing that I'll say about that segment, Dave, that I didn't love, because I loved everything about it, but what I didn't love was that I felt like Cross, the champion, got punked out just a little bit. I would have rather have seen Joe leave after saying, TikTok, young champion, and have Cross in the middle of the ring because that's his ring. He's the champion. Yeah. As opposed to carrying Cross, who's a bad mother trucker, kind of put his tail between his legs and leave the ring first. I don't know what you think about that. I, 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 I thought he did back down. Probably shouldn't have done that. There was another way to go. He could add Scarlet, like, pull carrying cross away and you know cooler heads prevail and have him get out of the ring i probably would have done that as opposed to what they did last night but again not a big you know criticism but i do agree with you you still want to make your champion look as strong as possible and while we're on joe and regal one of the beauties of last night's show was the connecting of the dots And Dave, what does every good story have? It has three major aspects to it. What is it? A beginning, a middle, and an end. Who did we see to start the show? William Regal. And Samoa Joe. Yep. Who was peppered into the middle of the show? William Regal and Samoa Joe. And who ended the show? It ended with William Regal and Samoa Joe. And that's how it's done, kids. Beginning, middle, end. Regal gets in the truck, drives away. That is the the the, the, the foreshadowing or whatever it is to, okay, Regal's now gone, and it's Joe's house. And he's the heavy, and he's the muscle now. And Regal was very specific. He said, you cannot do anything unless you are provoked. Adam Cole put his hands on Samoa Joe. Thus, Joe was provoked, and Adam Cole got choked out. Yep. I like that the new GM, or the, what are they calling him the GM? What are they calling him over there? He's like, I guess he's like, I guess labeled as the enforcer, I think would probably be the best label for him. I like that he, right off the bat, he enforced himself. Enforced his his rules. Great opening segment. Everybody did their part sense. wonderfully. It also makes sense to storyline wise. What is William Regal saying? Hey, I lost control. There's been chaos. Everything's going well structurally. This is great. This is a great place to work. But there's a lot of chaos. So 
hey, William Regal's not getting fired and not having, you know, Triple H coming out and firing William Regal. This is William Regal say, hey, I need to do better here. And this is what we're going to do moving forward. It makes sense. Storyline-wise, it makes sense. And again, it's a carryover to what took place the week before, what took place at In Your House. And like you said, now, hey, we're ushering in, all right, this is a new sheriff in town, and what's going to happen next next week? You could tell, Bully, right away, that this isn't a show that's written the morning of. This is something that obviously... Weeks in advance, storyline-wise, they're building on moving forward. That's how you make a successful show. It was a story. It was a really good story. It was a really tight story, and it was a story that made sense. Uh, Listen, when we get back, Bully, we got to get into the actual matches that took place during the show. I'm going to say it again, and I'm not trying to force-feed this down people's throats. Wrestling fans need to realize, uh, I understand that you might like one brand better than the other. I'm not telling you what to like. I'm telling you from the professional eyes point of view, NXT is the best product on television, period. Structurally, it's the best pro wrestling show that there is. Even work rate wise, it might be. The work rate that I saw from all of the talent last night was incredible. I enjoyed the I enjoyed the matches last night. Okay, so let let's take a look at what we liked from Raw. Uh, uh, RK Bro versus the New Day. Yeah, and the Six Man. I enjoyed the matches last night more, and I think it's because. With NXT, we get those old school rules with the new school tools, meaning the old school structuring of matches, the old school psychology applied with new school moves. They're doing a lot of they're doing a lot of cool fancy stuff there, but they're not getting away from the basics. So not only do the basics mean more. But the cool, fancy stuff means more because it's placed in the right spots. And also, they're doing a great job of telling you. Like, you could be a first-time viewer into NXT last night. You know who you cheer for. You know who you boo for. There, there, there is no mistaking. Like, Cameron Grimes, biggest hero on, on NXT right now after what we saw last night. Karrion Cross, you hate him. Why? Because you respect and love William Regal, and there's Karrion Cross stepping in the ring and knocking him down. Pretty, uh, pretty straightforward. Again, a first. If you put somebody that's never watched Monday Night Raw before, you sat them in front of a TV this past Monday, they would come out of that show not knowing who the good guys or the bad guys are. It's pretty simple when it comes to NXT: who's good and who's bad, who you should cheer for, and who you should boo. And it's quite evident to me uh, that Hunter, who has sat underneath Vince's learning tree, has learned a lot because there's, there's many great lessons you can learn from Vince McMahon. And one of the lessons is assume that the people that are watching your show have never seen your show before. And you have to bring them up to speed every single week. 
And if you don't know who anybody was last night on NXT when the show started, you knew who they were by the time the show ended. Thus, you might have been able to hook somebody. And I always go back. I know we had to take a break. I always go back to uh, when my grandmother used to watch The Young and the Restless. I was a, a young teenager. I didn't want to watch soap operas with my grandmother. But I'll be damned that after I watched one episode with her, I watched for the next two and a half years. Because the characters and the story hooked me. Bully, I get I get hooked on soap operas when I go to the doctor's office and I have it on in the TV in the waiting room. I get hooked onto the show just sitting in the waiting room for 20 minutes. And what's the best example of a TV show that hooks you? SVU. Yeah. God forbid you have to go to the grocery store or the gym or go run errands and you hear the those opening couple of <laughs> notes of SVU and you watch the first three minutes, you're fucked for the next hour. Yeah. And you better leave before the notes for the show following it and because you're screwed for that hour too. Yeah, thank God for DVRs. I don't know what we did before the DVR. Ladies and gentlemen, we are live. Serious XM Fight Nation is your home for the hardest hitting combat sports talk you'll find in the world. Whether it's pro wrestling, MMA, or boxing, join the conversation with us at 877 Fight 93 anytime from 9 a.m. to 6 p.m. Eastern as we react to the hottest storylines, most intriguing matchups, and more. Oh my God! Your home for the best all day combat sports talk anywhere is Serious XM Fight Nation, Channel 156. I would call that a perfect segment last night on nxt without a doubt dave what do you think the number one thing i loved about cameron grimes physicality last night it looked real what did he do he decked ted dibiase no cameron grimes oh cameron, cameron grimes. grimes i'm sorry cameron what grimes. did i, I Yes, the punch from L.A. Knight and the bump from DiBiase, awesome. Awesome. Loved it. But, but more Cameron specifically- Grimes, to your point, I know what you're, I, I, I apologize. To your point, Cameron Grimes ran into that ring with the intent of beating the shit out of L.A. Knight. Tell me specifically what he did to L.A. Knight. Fists in the air, fists flying at L.A. Knight. Not wrestling moves, not running into the ropes. To do a clothesline, he went in fist flying to L.A. Knight. Where do I always say a baby face lives? Right here with their two fists held in the air. Fists of fire, fists of flying, and it ends up with a clothesline over the top rope and Grimes going ballistic and firing up. And the people were behind him. He didn't do any moves, and the people still reacted as if he did a triple Lindy Canadian ex- destroyer. Because that shit works. Because when the heel does his job correctly, and the babyface comes to save the day, and he punches a guy in the face, everybody can relate to that. I hate it when I see run-ins that, that involve spots. I'll run in, I'll go to hit you, you'll duck, I'll hit the ropes, and then I'll come off with a flying head scissors. That's not real. That's not what happens in a real fight when you're pissed off. You go to punch somebody in the face. And that's what Grimes did last night to LA Knight, and that's why it worked. Everybody can relate to him. 
Yep, just punch him in the face. Just deck him. We hate LA Knight for what he just did. And what did LA Knight do? He didn't hit a super kick on DiBiase. He didn't hit an RKO on DiBiase. He punched DiBiase in the face. Tit for tat. LA LA Knight punched DiBiase, and then Grimes came in and punched the hell out of LA Knight. It was simple. They did not reinvent the wheel. I've seen that same scenario played out hundreds of times in the wrestling business. Been involved with it several times in the wrestling business. They did it again, and it worked as well as it ever has. And and bully the expressions on their faces. Like Ted DiBiase's expression on his face when he got not the look of shock and then the look of pain. You know, Cameron Grimes, that look of anger when he hit that ring, and then the look of despair when he was looking down at Ted DiBiase. You know, LA Knight, the pissed off like dude, when when he hit Ted DiBiase and then he was getting out of the ring, and then he's like, nah. Nah, and then he takes off the jacket and he starts punching and kicking Ted DiBiase as he's laying on the ground. That's how you get emotion out of people. I, 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 I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not overstating it. That was maybe one of the most perfect segments that I've seen on a pro wrestling show in years. And to the Capital Wrestling Center fans' credit, they were right there for that whole angle. Because those three performers made it impossible to the point where you could not (laughs) react to it. Yeah. This is why when I see all these moves, I'm just like, why? You want to hit the move once? Okay, hit it once and put it in the right spot. There were no moves hit last night. It was punching and kicking and fire and facials. And it worked as perfectly as any spectacular move I've ever seen. Suplexes, knockouts, and chokeholds. Sirius XM Fight Nation is the only channel dedicated to bringing you the inside world of combat sports. Unlocking the cage with Jimmy Smith. Time doesn't heal all wounds in sports. Winning heals all wounds. Busted open. I always say life is just like professional wrestling. You are going to get knocked down a lot, but you got to keep getting up and keep on fighting. Plus, at the fights and MMA today to round out the best combat sports coverage anywhere. And so much more. We bring the fight to you on Sirius XM Fight Nation Channel 156. As a wrestling fan, you know it's hard. All the blood, the sweat, the tears, the chairs. It's a hard day out there. And do you know what tastes incredible after a hard day in the ring? A Mike's Hard Lemonade. You get all hot and bothered, and then you can cool off with an ice-cold hard lemonade. Since day one, Mike's Hard Lemonade has been making lemonade the hard way. They take three kinds of lemons, all hand-picked, from family farms and cold press them to create a taste like no other. They choose to do things the hard way because they know hard days deserve a hard lemonade. That's why for 25 years, nothing has tasted better after a hard day than a Mike's Hard Lemonade. Find now in store, Mike's is hard, so is prison. Don't drive drunk. Premium malt beverage with flavors. Mike's Hard Lemonade Company, Chicago, Illinois. 
The best part of spring cleaning takeaway is the post-clean clarity you get. It's kind of like when you find out you've been paying a fortune for wireless when Mint Mobile has phone plans for $15 a month when you purchase a three-month plan. It's time to switch to Mint Mobile. All plans come with high-speed data and unlimited talk and text delivered on the nation's largest 5G network. Ditch overpriced wireless with Mint Mobile's limited-time deal and get three months of premium wireless service for $15 a month. To get this new customer offer and your new three-month unlimited wireless plan for just 15 bucks a month, go to mintmobile.com slash busted open. That's mintmobile.com slash busted open. Cut your wireless bill to 15 bucks a month at mintmobile.com slash busted open. $45 upfront payment required equivalent to $15 a month. New customers on first three-month plan only. Speed slower above 40 gigabytes on unlimited plan. Additional taxes, fees, and restrictions apply. See Mint Mobile for details. Warmer, sunnier days are calling. Fuel up for them with Factors, no prep, no mess meals. Meet your wellness goals in time for summer thanks to the menu of chef-crafted meals with options like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Factors Fresh Never Frozen Meals are dietitian approved and ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy you are, you'll always have time to enjoy nutritious, great-tasting meals. With 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week, you'll always have new flavors to explore. Crush your wellness goals this May with dietitian approved meals and ingredients that you can trust. Treat yourself to restaurant-quality meals that feature premium ingredients like filet mignon, shrimp, and blackened salmon. Head to Factormeals.com slash Busted50 and use code Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Busted50 at Factormeals.com slash Busted50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Back here on Busted Open, Dave LaGreca, Bully Ray, so pleased to have our next guest on vice versa the china documentary is debuting tomorrow night june 17th at 9 p.m eastern time on vice tv and here to talk about it is the director of the documentary mara strauch joins us here on busted open mara how are you thank you so much for the time this morning i'm well uh thank you for having me on the show so you know, obviously, pro wrestling show, diehard pro wrestling fans, you have kind of dipped into this world to do this documentary. So so before you dived into this project, like how much did you know about China and pro wrestling before taking on this task? Honestly, uh, nothing. <laughs> I really knew very, very little. And I think that's often true of the documentaries I make, you know, you kind of dive into a world and get to know it. And I think that's, what's really exciting about it. Yeah. Because I think that's actually like a great view and that you're a part of it in the way that you're not a wrestling fan and you didn't know a lot of the story because you can kind of give that unbiased view of a life and career because anybody else that's a fan is probably it's going to be a bit skewed, right, by some of their knowledge that they knew beforehand. So is that always the best way for you to take on a documentary as a director, by not knowing a lot before taking the project? Absolutely, yes. I don't know if I could accurately make something, um, a documentary about something I was a huge fan of. I mean, for this, I when I first saw China, I was really surprised and I didn't know, you know, she existed and... Um, you know, she was amazing to watch. So it was very exciting as a filmmaker. 
and obviously China, it, there's so much to her as a person more than just being, you know, a pro wrestler. Like, you know, when you dived into the actual person and the woman who China was outside of the ring, I mean, did it surprise you? Did it shock you at times? I think, you know, just looking at her during her various phases and seeing this person who was wrestling men and just these things that I didn't even know happened in wrestling. Um, and so that was very surprising. And then learning more about her personal life and just her as a person, um, the things I found the most shocking were her intelligence, uh, the fact that she played the cello, spoke multiple languages. You know, this was a really intelligent really um, vivacious human. Um, and I think, you know, some of the other uh, stuff that was darker was mm -hmm. was difficult to go through and watch. But I think, you know, it's all part of her journey, which is, you know, it's a really rich human story, I think. You know, Matt, what was your view? And be honest, what was your view of pro wrestling before doing this project? And what's your view of pro wrestling coming out of doing this project? To be honest, I had very little thought of wrestling, but, you know, I, I didn't feel like it, you know, I wouldn't have known that I would find somebody who is a wrestler, who is also this intelligent, deep, um, interesting, um, athletic, you know, and in speaking to the other wrestlers that we spoke to in the film, I can't say, I mean, it was so wonderful to speak to them and, you know, meet really, um, interesting people who who kind of came into this life path that is very unusual you know so when when you took on this project how did you want to tackle it especially not being a wrestling fan and not being a part of that world like what was the first thing what like what is the message so to speak do you want coming out of this documentary you know, it's funny, I, as a filmmaker, I'm not somebody who necessarily thinks of messages, but I think um, for me, it was very important to humanize China because you see this big, big woman who's tough in the ring. And then in reality TV, you see this person who's kind of like a train wreck. And, you know, there's, there's all these levels in between and a lot of it's just a character, right? And so yeah. I think for me, it was really, really important to humanize her and make it accessible to people who are not wrestling fans as well as people who are wrestling fans. Um, you know, and I, I don't know if I got it right for wrestling fans, to be honest, but I had to get it right for a human that's watching it who can relate to her as a person. Uh, how much access did you have? Like, is the family involved in, in a lot of what we're going to see tomorrow night? Yes, I was really, really, really fortunate to get her sister, Kathy, um, and her mom, Jan, to be involved. And, you know, it, it just shed such a light on her as a person. Um, and of course, all these relationships in her family are really difficult. If you know her story, you know that. But I think one of the things about the documentary is that it's not like wrestling, like nobody's black or white, you know, there's not a good guy and a bad guy. I think everybody's kind of a shade of gray. Um, and it was really nice to have her family's perspective on her story, their side of the story, and just kind of how it all unfolded. From the, from the outside looking in, just as a fan, it did seem like her life completely spiraled out of control those last few years before she passed. And like, how much did she lose control of her life those last few years? 
You know, it's it's odd because I think she after she left the WWE, uh, after she did her stint in Japan, I think, you know, there was various stages of losing control or or, you know, having a lot of, you know, um, mental health challenges as well as addiction challenges. Um, I think that, you know, she was really trying during that last period of time in her life. And I think. I think you could say that she was out of control for times during that time and really in control other times. And, you know, I think that that's very much the way addiction can work. And um, I think that, you know, she really wanted, she really wanted to have that comeback, that last comeback. I think that that's probably the saddest part of the film. And, and the film again is vice versa. It's the China documentary that's debuting on vice TV tomorrow night, 9 PM Eastern time, uh, Thursday, the 17th Mara, um one thing and i get it, it doesn't even have to be for a professional wrestler even you as a director me as a talk show host is it like the crime of being too obsessed with the title that you are or being obsessed with the job that you're doing where sometimes you lose control of what's going outside that bubble and is china a case of that I think we can identify too much with the things we do in life. I think, yeah. you know, China definitely became China. You know, there was, she had so much potential to also be Joni Lauer and, and really be this am amazing person that she actually was. Um, I think she identified too much with that name and couldn't get past it as much as she should have. Um, I think we all do that, right? <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's always something, and myself included. Sometimes I get so obsessed with the show that I do, I kind of neglect other things in my life. And and I would also think too, with somebody like China who was performing in front of you know fifteen, twenty thousand people a night, and being as big as she was, being on the cover of magazines, being on TV on a weekly basis. Once you lose that, a lot of people fall into addiction because they're used to getting that high on a nightly basis. A hundred percent. And I think, you know, that um, I think she really needed, you know, there's, there's a number of points in the film where people talk about this. She really needed love, you know, she really yeah. needed kind of this constant um, sense of love and approval that she would really try to get in any way she possibly could. And I don't, I don't think that's a short following. I think it's, you know, it's really, uh, kind of her situation that ended up occurring. And uh, it's sad. Yeah. I mean, how much of, was there anything I, and, and is there anything like uncomfortable that maybe you felt like, I, I don't know if I should put this in the documentary or not. Did you have any of those instances while you were filming? Um, I had so many of those instances oh, and, you know, this, this was footage that was taken from uh, a documentary that was happening the last year of her life, mm -hmm. uh, combined with new interviews that we were shooting. So I was essentially given a hard drive with all this footage uh, from the last year of her life. There was a lot of it that made me uncomfortable. Um, and a lot of it we didn't use, you know, it's like, there's a lot that I, wish didn't exist you know it's it, some of it's not um not fair to show i think what we showed was some of it's hard to watch and i think the viewers will find there's stuff that's hard to watch but there's stuff that 
really will make you understand her story, humanize her story and make you kind of understand the full the full story. And China even says that at one point, she says, I'm going to give you the whole story, you know, and I, I really hope that we, we did that justice. Um, when when you look at her life and her career, what's probably the biggest misconception of China that you think might be righted from people watching this documentary? Um, you know, it's a little hard to say what, what, how people perceive her. I think it's changed over time. Um, I think, you know, this idea that, you know, she, she was just this kind of uncontrollable train wreck or this person that, you know, just kind of was in this constant phase of being a train wreck is just not true. You know, she taught in Japan, she taught English in Japan, you know, she was this really intellectual, uh, intelligent woman, um, you know, I think that there's a lot about the story with the WWE that's kind of rumored or, you know, there there's these things that are are pretty controversial. But I think that, you know, people might be surprised at some of the things that she said during various spans of time. Um, you know, there's probably a lot of surprises for viewers, I can imagine. Did you get any help from the WWE? Were they cooperative at all in the making of the documentary? I mean, we reached out to a couple of targeted people at the WWE. Um, you know, we really chose to focus on uh, uh, Joni China's story more than, you know, their side of the story. Um, it felt more fair to us. Yeah. And and when you're doing a documentary, and this is not just the China documentary, but other other film projects that that you've had, like. Do you do you expect a response? Like, what's what's your your expected response from this documentary from some of the fans, or do you, or do you even think about that when making a documentary? I don't think about it when making it. I have to admit that you know I know everybody's chomping at the bit for for a China documentary, <laughs> and you know there's there's a pressure and a privilege in that, in that I know that she's somebody that people hold really near and dear. Um, if I would have had my way, I would have made a four hour documentary about her. Um, I think she's fascinating. And I think the only thing I would say that I wish as a filmmaker I could have done better is to have it be even longer and include more because there's just so much to her story. You know, I, I don't know how people are going to react, but I hope I hope they feel that I was fair to her. I don't you know, I don't make her into a hero or a villain. Um, so we'll see how that goes. Thanks for listening. Catch us Monday through Saturday on Busted Open from 9 a.m. to noon Eastern on Sirius XM. Fight Nation, Channel 156. The Busted Open Podcast. Busted Open is part of the Sirius XM Podcast Network. The executive producer is Ed Robinson. The associate producer is Gabby Laspisa. Andy King is the director of sports podcasting for SiriusXM. Special thanks to SiriusXM Senior Vice President of Sports Programming and Podcasting, the legendary Steve Cohen, and SiriusXM Fight Nation Program Director, Marissa Rivas. SiriusXM Podcasts. Hey guys, Conan O'Brien here to tell you about some of the stranger things we've been doing recently on my podcast, Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Recently, we had an episode where I uh, sat down with some of the writers that I worked with on Conan O'Brien Must Go. 
That's my uh, travel show on Max. And we talked about everything that goes into those shows uh, and a lot of very insane anecdotes from our travels and adventures. There's another episode you might want to check out where I discuss with my physician, Dr. Arroyo, about my experience on Hot Ones. We talk about my near-death experience and his uh, complete inability to help me because he may or may not be a real doctor. That's just some of the stuff that's been going on. Uh, and if you feel up to it, check it out. So catch up on all things I've been up to on Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend, wherever you get your podcasts. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.